Hello, welcome to the online weekend experience. Sarah Beth here. And as Tommy said, we are so glad that you are here as we continue our conversation on emotions. Real quick, I wanna highlight two things for you. First, you may have already heard, we are planning to regather in person for service at the campus on the weekend of June 13th and 14th, and we are excited to welcome you in person. If you want more information about that, about our regathering plan or how we came to this decision, there's a description below and there's a link with more in-depth conversation with Pastor Tony. I encourage you to check that out after our time together today. Also, check out the website medinaeast.gracechurches.org for more up-to-date information. Second, I wanna take a moment and highlight what we have planned for this summer in Power Kids. Get ready for Focus Summer FX. FX means family experience. We have a devotional that Student Ministries will also be using, a family disciple-making workshop, and virtual Bible camp. We wanna spend the summer focused on God and His amazing plan for us. Parents, you have the most influence in your kids' lives, and we wanna come alongside you and help make this summer one that is focused, creating rhythms of investing well and pointing our kids to Jesus. You can check out Power Kids social media at MEC Power Kids and medinaeast.gracechurches.org to sign up. I am so glad that we are spending this time together. We look forward to seeing you soon. Love you guys. All right, well, thanks so much for joining us here in week six of our series that we've been calling Emotions. And so if you're just jumping in or if you're newer to Grace or newer to this campus, uh, thanks so much for being with us. And uh, I do just want to say, uh, before we go ahead and get started here today, I, uh, I want to take a moment and just express, man, how much I am just looking forward to uh, regathering again here pretty soon. Some of you maybe have heard or you've seen a video that came out from our senior pastor, Jeff, uh, recently that we're going to be uh, resuming in-person weekend services uh, the weekend of June 13th and 14th. And so uh, that's coming up here pretty quick. And so really excited about that. Obviously, uh, when we regather, it's going to look a little bit different than it has in the past. And uh, so I just want to encourage you, um, uh, be on the lookout, if you would, for communications uh, in the next couple of weeks, this week and next week especially. Uh, we're going to be sending out communications to all of those of you who are part of our campus. And we also are going to keep the, uh, the website updated with information. So check in about that, about what those, um, what those services are going to look like. Uh, we are doing everything we can to prepare a safe space for us to gather together. And so we will be sending out some more information about that. And obviously, let me just say too, that if you for any reason at all are not ready to gather together in person, and there's a lot of reasons that might be the case, that is totally fine. And uh, we're actually going to continue in this season to provide this online weekend experience in the same format. And so would encourage you that if you need to stay connected that way, uh, it'd be great for you to do that. So excited about that coming up. Look out for communications coming uh, in the next couple of weeks in your email and on our website and really excited about that. But like I said, we are in uh, week six of our emotions series. And um, what we're doing in this series is um, we're really kind of looking to the Bible uh, to make sense of how we feel. And, uh, and so, so far in the series, we've actually covered a lot of ground. And we've talked through some pretty foundational truths of what we discovered throughout uh, the scripture. So let me just kind of give you a quick recap. 
Here's what we said. We said, according to the Bible, the Bible is actually going to teach that emotions are from God and they're good. Uh, that uh, the Bible is going to say that we as humans are created in the image of God. And as image bearers, that means that we bear emotions, that God is a God of emotions, and that as image bearers, that we bear those. And then we said this, we said that emotions are intended to move us, that one of the created intentions of emotions is to put, uh, of emotions is to put our values into motion. It's actually a critical part of their design. And then lastly, we said this, we said emotions reveal our values and our affections, that there is a direct tie between our emotions, how we feel, and what we value. And so really we said this, we said, man, if you really wanna know what you value, don't just listen to what you say, pay attention to how you feel. Because in a lot of ways, our emotions speak more honestly than even what we might say uh, with our lips. And so we, we talked about this and we said, you know, while all this is true, while all this is true, we also said that our emotions um, have actually been miscalibrated. And so the Bible's going to tell us that ever since Genesis chapter 3, when humanity kind of decidedly turned away from God, that as a result of that, that our values and what we worship and what we care about has been contorted and has been shifted and misaligned. And because of that, our emotions follow suit. And so our emotions can now sometimes lead us into uh, some, uh, some really interesting places. They can sometimes misguide us into even sometimes some destructive places. And so we've kind of talked about that. So each week then what we've been doing in this series is we've been looking more in depth at different emotions. And so we've talked about uh, the emotion of happiness. We've talked about anxiety. We talked about anger. And uh, that all of that brings us right up here to week six. And so let me just say that again, if you missed the previous weeks in this series, feel free to catch up on those either here on our website uh, under the message tab or on our YouTube channel, and you can do that. But uh, today, uh, what we're going to be doing as we continue is we're gonna be talking today about a very tricky emotion. We're gonna be talking about the feeling of depression. And depression. So we're going to spend some time and kind of think about that. And uh, yeah, wow, man, I think, you know, for sure, this is a very, very powerful emotion. It's a very serious and a very relevant feeling and topic. And, uh, and so as we, as we start to get into this, I think maybe it'd be helpful for us to just start with a baseline definition of depression. Okay, so what is depression? Well, there's a lot of different definitions out there. I think this one uh, kind of says what all of them are kind of saying, but it's this. Depression is the persistent, intense feeling of sadness or loss of interest that can be linked to a range of behavioral and physical symptoms. Depression can cause a lack of motivation, and in some cases, the loss of the will to live. And so uh, you read through that definition, and my guess is we can all uh, maybe relate with this emotion. Uh, you can see depression is beyond disappointment, and it's slightly different than discouragement. Uh, depression is, is persistent, it's intense. Uh, depression has, the, has a way of sapping joy and motivation out of life, making it difficult to see purpose, making it difficult to see hope. Uh, in depressed seasons, it can seem, uh, man, hard to get out of bed, right? It can seem hard to get moving, hard to keep fighting through something. Uh, depression is characterized often by a loss of joy. And sometimes, like when you, when you talk to someone or if you experience that, well, sometimes we use words like weighty. Uh, we use words like heavy. We use words like darkness to describe that. And here's, here's what I know. Here's what I know about every person 
is that every single one of us faced depressed seasons in our lives at different times and in various ways. Even Jesus Christ himself faced depression, which we are actually going to look at a little bit here later today. And so all of us in, in some way or another ex experience depression. Some of us, however, maybe even have a greater propensity towards living in a prolonged state of depression, and we might be what's sometimes called clinically depressed. And so let me just kind of uh, help you out here. So this is the definition of depression. Clinical depression is maybe a step further, and how, here's how that would be defined. Clinical depression, which is also sometimes called major depressive disorder, or also sometimes called endogenous depression, is actually characterized by long-lasting depression. So think, don't think days and weeks, think weeks, months, and maybe beyond that. It's the type of depression that has a high recurrence rate and can worsen over time. Clinical depression can significantly interfere with a person's daily activities. And so for sure, all of us face uh, depression in some way or another. Some of us maybe deal with it in a stronger way and maybe even with clinical depression. And let me just say that if you're a person who maybe wonders if this is you, or maybe you know that this is you, I just want to uh, let you know, of course, you're not alone in that. Uh, in fact, uh, studies have shown uh, that, uh, that, that depression, especially in our country, and especially clinical depression, is actually on the rise. Um, interestingly, a couple statistics, um, clinical depression affects 7% of adults, that's 17.3 million people in the United States in any given year. And so it's very, very common. Uh, according to the World Health Organization, clinical depression is the leading cause of worldwide disability in ages 15 to 44. So there's studies out there that are saying that uh, clinical depression is actually the second most common mental uh, kind of issue that people deal with, second only to anxiety. And of course, you think about that, then you also compound that with the, with the fact that we are living in a global pandemic. And of course, that only amplifies things. In fact, I was just reading uh, recently that according to, according to a Kaiser Family Foundation poll, nearly half of Americans report the coronavirus crisis is harming their mental health. And so, so a lot of people are saying that, yeah, this is taking a toll on me mentally. In addition to that, a federal emergency hotline for people who are experiencing depression and emotional distress registered a more than 1,000% increase in April compared with the <clears throat> same time last year. And so, and so listen, I, I know that this whole season maybe is even drawing out this emotion in maybe even a more relevant way. Uh, than for some of us maybe we've experienced prior to this. In fact, some of you right now, even as you're watching this, maybe you find yourself stuck in a pattern of depression. Maybe you find yourself in that place, or, or maybe you don't, but maybe there's someone that you really love and you really care about who is in that place. Maybe for you it's a family member, a husband, a wife, a parent. Maybe it's a teenager, maybe it's a college student that you're living with, and you see that they're stuck in this pattern of depression. So, so listen, I, I just want to say I understand this is a very serious and a very sensitive subject, and there's a lot of weight to this one, and it's, it's very complex. And so uh, some of you know what it's like to feel like you're living under a dark cloud that just doesn't seem like it will blow away. And can I just say that if you're in that place today, Man, it can be really hard to get moving in the right direction. And so can I, just, can I just maybe take a moment right now and can I pray specifically for you and for those who maybe feel stuck in depression 
right now. So let's just take a moment and maybe we can just ask God to help us through this whole conversation as we talk about this emotion. So let me, let me pray for us. Well, Father, we just want to come before you and we want to ask you, uh, Lord, for your help right now. And uh, God, for those who maybe feel stuck in a pattern of depression or maybe have loved ones that are stuck in a pattern of depression, maybe find themselves in a bad spot right now. Father, I want to I wanna lift them up to you right now. And Father, I ask that even in this time that we have together, Lord, would you use this? Would you use this as a step towards the healing that you desire in those places? God, I pray, please, God, guard my words. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would help me to say what's true, help me to say what's helpful, and anything else, Lord, I pray it just wouldn't be said. <laughs> so, so God, lead us in this conversation, and uh, we want to ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so depression. Well, uh, here's the question. How does a biblical worldview speak into this topic, right? How does God's Word, the Bible, shed light on this emotion? Well, I think it's important for us to say that depression should not be taken lightly, and it also really can't be viewed simply. You know, I think oftentimes overly simplistic approaches to depression can actually lead to like more harm than they can good. Some of you can even think of the situations like that. And uh, the truth is there's a number of different factors that can cause and can contribute to depression. In fact, psychologists today are even not entirely clear on all of the causes and all of the inner workings and complexity around depression. And I'd also say this, in the same way, uh, when you go through the Bible and you survey scripture, you're going to find that the Bible does not provide a simplistic view of depression. And so what I want to do uh, here just for a couple moments, it's actually something a little bit different than we typically do. And I actually want to survey through the Bible a little bit. And I want to show you what kind of insights does the Bible bring into the topic of depression. And I think what we're going to see is that depression is actually pretty complex and it's connected to a lot of causes. So, for example, let me, let me show you what I mean. Here's what the Bible's going to say. The Bible's going to say, first and foremost, that sometimes, sometimes, depression is linked to physical issues. So sometimes physical issues can lead us to depression. Sometimes issues within our body can actually cause depression in our spirit. And the Bible's going to kind of reinforce this idea. So, for example, what do I mean by that? Well, for example, the Bible's going to say fatigue can lead to depression, fatigue, exhaustion can, uh, in the body can lead to depression in the spirit. Uh, maybe one of the most premier passages on this in examples is actually in 1 Kings chapter 19. And there we see a prophet, a guy named Elijah, it's a guy who loved the Lord. Um, and the Bible tells us that he experienced a very serious and heavy bout uh, with depression. It's a really fascinating story you should read about. But basically what happens is the Bible tells us that Elijah comes off a mountaintop experience. And I mean quite literally a mountaintop experience. Uh, you should read about the story in 1 Kings 18 and 19. But basically... It's a, a ministry of, it's a, it's a period of high ministry output. He pours himself out. Uh, he's exhausted by the time he's done. He's emotionally exhausted. He's mentally exhausted. He experienced death threats. He's running for his life. And the Bible says he gets to a place where he is just totally spent. He is completely cashed out, fatigued and tired. And the Bible tells us that when he's in that place, here's what happens. Check this out. This is 1 Kings 19 verse 4. It says, he came to a broom bush. He sat down under it and he prayed that he might die. 
So he's like, God, just kill me. And here's this prayer. He says, I've had enough, Lord. I've had enough. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. And then he laid down under the bush and he fell asleep. All right. So here you see, I mean, I think it's probably pretty clear. Elijah is in a bad place. And you remember our definition of depression from just a few moments ago, right? We said that it's this persistent feeling, feeling of sadness. And we said sometimes it even leads to the loss of the will to live. And what do you see? God, just take my life. I just want to die. And, uh, and man, he's in a bad spot. Some of you maybe have uh, been in a spot like this. And I tell you what's interesting when you read this, what does God do in response to Elijah's depression? Does God come to Elijah and say, um, Elijah, let me tell you some uplifting Bible verses. Is that what God does to Elijah? Um, no. Does God uh, come to Elijah and say, Elijah, stop it. Just you quit being depressed. Is that what he does? Uh, no. What the Lord does is actually really interesting. He sends an angel to Elijah and look what happens. It says all at once, the angel touched him and said, get up and eat. And so he looked around and there by his head was some break, uh, some bread that was baked over hot coals and a jar of water and he ate, drank, and then he laid down again. He went to sleep. And this happens a couple of times. In other words, you see what happens? God hears Elijah's depression. He sees it and he just says, dude, Elijah, man, you're just hangry. You know, you're just, you're tired, buddy. And you see to get some sleep and have some food and get some water because you are fatigued. You are exhausted. And a lot of times when we're in a place of fatigue, the emotions that we feel are disproportionate to the reality that's around us. And so fatigue in the body can cause depression in your spirit. So the Bible's going to tell us that. Sometimes that's the case. Sometimes stress can say, it's very similar to Elijah. Stress can lead us to depression. The Apostle Paul experienced this. Let's check this out in 2 Corinthians 1. Paul said, we don't want you to be uninformed about the troubles we experienced in Asia. We were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure. We despaired of life itself. It sounds very familiar to our definition of depression. He says, we felt like we received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. In other words, what Paul is saying here is he's recounting a time when he was under great pressure, when he was under great stress, and he despaired of life itself. And so it's true, periods of prolonged stress can lead us to times of depression. Some of us are experiencing that right now. Stress at work, stress because of all of the complexities with COVID, and stress can lead to can lead us to those places of exhaustion and of depression. So I ought to say, physical issues can lead to depression. The Bible shows us this. And by the way, the medical community reinforces this. Uh, there are many examples of how physical issues can lead to depression. So think about for a moment, just stuff like this. Um, like we know that uh, hormonal changes can cause depression. That's just true. Uh, some of you have experienced that. Thyroid issues can actually really alter your emotions and your mood. And so there's so some of those type of things. Um, for those of you who are mothers, postpartum depression is a very real thing. You find yourself in a place where here's this moment that's supposed to be unbelievable joy, and yet you can't shake the blues and the, the, the feelings of depression that come alongside of that. So we know that that's the case. Even um, genetic factors, you know, we started talking about this last week. Scientists say that, man, up to 50% of our emotional makeup uh, is determined in part by our genetics. And so, so yeah, that, that definitely plays a piece into it. Even things like weather patterns uh, have a way of, you know, physical issues affecting our 
kind of our emotional state. And I know there's a lot of people that think that seasonal depression isn't a real thing, but look, they don't live in Northeast Ohio. I think all of us who live here completely understand this. I know this past week, since the sun has been shining, it has done wonders for my mental health and has really helped. When it was snowing, like, um, I don't know, what was that, three weeks ago or something? It was a very different state. And so, so all that to say, Scripture is going to tell us sometimes depression is linked to physical issues. Now, here's what I want you to hear me say, though. The Bible is going to say that's not the only cause, though. Depression is more complicated than that. Listen, sometimes, sometimes spiritual issues are the cause of depression. The Bible's going to tell us that sometimes things that are happening spiritually can actually affect you emotionally and can affect you physically. That it's both ways. It's a two-way street. Like, what are you talking about? Okay, let's give you a couple examples. Uh, One would be this. The Bible says that unconfessed sin actually can lead to depression that uh, the Bible is going to connect unconfessed sin and a guilty conscience with depression in places, for example, like in Psalm 32. So Psalm 32 is a really great psalm. Uh, It's written by King David. King David, if you're a Bible person, you may know of him. He's a very famous king in the Old Testament. And uh, he was a man that was after God's own heart. He loved God, but he was a very imperfect person and very flawed, just like all of us. And uh, on one occasion, the Bible tells us that he actually committed adultery with a woman named Bathsheba. And uh, in doing so, he actually impregnated her. And as a way of trying to cover his tracks, he ended up arranging to have uh, her husband, Uriah, killed. And after he had murdered uh, Uriah, the Bible tells us that he actually went into a time of hiding and he uh, basically tried to cover the whole thing up. And during that period of his life, he writes about that in Psalm 32. And look, what, look at the words he uses here. He says, when I kept silent, when, I, when it was, my sin was unconfessed, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. That's very physical, isn't it? He's like, I, I felt like I was wasting away, sapped, right? For, for day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. And then look at this, but then I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not cover up my iniquity. And I said, I will confess my transgressions and you forgave the guilt of my sin. And the rest of the Psalm talks about how he's restored uh, to a different place. Um, and so I think, I think what we see here is that for sure, there is a spiritual component that is leading to depression. Yeah, I think what's really interesting here is, did you know that the idea that guilt is connected to depression is actually reinforced more and more by the psychological community today? Uh, the most widely accepted viewpoint today uh, by psychologists is that depression comes when anger is, is held and is turned inward. It's one of the most popular theories today. If you think about it, self-inflicted anger or self-directed anger is very similar to guilt. Beating yourself up over something. I, I, I wish that didn't happen. It should have been some, That guilt that comes with it can lead to depression. And the Bible talks about here how confessing sin and experiencing the forgiveness from God is actually key in, um, in uh, navigating through depression. So yeah, uh, con- unconfessed sin, uh, living disconnected from God. The Bible's gonna tell us that that can lead us to a state of depression. You know, in other words, um, living in a way that deliberately turns oneself away from God can cause depression. There's a lot of passages in the Bible that really reinforce this idea Uh, John 15 is one that I'll reference. You know, Jesus says in that passage, he says, I am the vine. In other words, I'm the source of life and vitality. 
you're the branches. He says, if you abide in me and you remain connected to me, that is, if you, if you live your life connected in a relationship with me, he says, that's going to lead to a deep abiding joy. That's also going to lead to fruit, to, to, to fruitful life. And, and the fruit of the Spirit are things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It doesn't mean everything's going to be hunky-dory all the time. But what he says is, if you, if you abide in me, it's going to lead to life. And if you separate from me, he says it's going to create a life of withering, is what he says in John chapter 15. <clears throat> now, what is that language? Well, I think that language is talking about, in some cases, that emotion, the emotion of depression. Sometimes depression is caused from the withering effects of living apart from God, by whom we were created to find life. Now, if we constantly live life on, run, on the run from God's desires, it can lead to depression. Let me just say, maybe even for some of you watching this right now, uh, you're experiencing that, right? You, maybe you had a period in your life when you were pretty tight with God, but you have drifted pretty far from that. Or maybe for you, um, you deliberately are, are living in a way in which you're trying to walk away from God, and you're experiencing some of the effects of that. And I think the Bible is going to say that that actually is a cause of depression because God is the author of life and life is found in him. Uh, and the Bible is also going to say demonic oppression is actually a cause of depression as well. Now, I know for some of you that sounds so freaky and weird, but the Bible's pretty clear about that, that there is a whole spiritual component um, in an unseen place that we are completely uh, sometimes not, not necessarily tuned into that has an impact on that. That's what Ephesians 6 is going to tell us. It's going to say that our battle and even our battles with depression are not merely flesh and blood, but against the rulers and authorities and the spiritual forces in the heavenly places. And so, so all I'm saying is the Bible's going to present to us, this thing's pretty complicated. Okay, there's, there's physical uh, issues, spiritual issues that can lead to depression. Circumstantial issues can lead to depression. And so what do I mean by that? Well, I mean things like grief and loss. Um, loss is definitely something, and you know, you, think, you look at the book of Job. The book of Job is actually a, a, fan, a fantastic example of this. Here's a man who struggles with depression. You see all throughout the book of Job, and that depression seems to be caused by a huge set of losses, uh, losses within his family, losses of his of his material possessions, everything, and because of that, it it uh, it puts him into this season of. Depression, And so I think in the same way, sometimes depression can be caused by circumstantial issues. It can be caused by loss. Uh, for some of you, maybe it's the, you know, it could be a lot of things. Loss of a loved one. Maybe for you, you can think of that. And that, that has led into a season of depression. Maybe it's a divorce. It's a loss of a marriage. Loss of a relationship. Loss of a job, maybe, can be something that can, can uh, help, can, can be a, a contributing factor in this. Loss of a dream. You know, I think... Uh, one of the tricky things about this season has been that there have been many people who have had dreams and aspirations, uh, man, that, that have really been altered and shifted. You know, some of you were hoping to graduate a certain way this semester in high school or in college, and it's looked very different. And, and you know, that's, that, that can be a real loss that you feel. For some of you, um, you're maybe engaged, looking to get married, and you had a picture of what that was going to look like. And you know, loss can look a lot of different ways. And let me just say, by the way, that I know that the topic of grief and depression are really, really, really uh, important topics, especially in this season. And so we actually wanted to try to go out of our way to provide extra resources for you if you want to process through some of that. So Pastor Seth 
actually sat down with a clinical counselor who we love and appreciate, who loves Jesus. His name is Matt Williams. And he actually had a conversation with him about grief and depression that we wanted to provide for you. So you'll be able to find that as a weekend extra um, on our website as well. So I encourage you to check that out. But anyway, all that to say, you can just see when we talk about all this, the Bible is going to tell us, man, depression is complex and it's connected to so many different things. And, uh, and you can see that. So here's the question that you might be asking at this point. You might be saying, okay, that makes sense. But come on, what should I do if I'm experiencing depression, right? What are some next steps I can take if I'm in that place? Or if I know someone who's in that place, what can I recommend to somebody who's struggling? And so let me see if I can try to give you some practical help here, okay? So first off, can I just say this? Uh, maybe a good step for you, uh, for some of you or maybe someone you know, is that if you feel like maybe you're, you're inclined towards clinical or maybe you're wondering if that's the case or maybe you know that's the case, um, here's a step that I think would be really good for you. Um, go see a doctor, all right? That's actually a good spot. Let me just say here at Grace Church, all right, we know what we are and we know what we're not. All right, we are a church, and so we're not a hospital. Uh, we're not a, a psychiatric institution. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a counselor. I'm a pastor, and we are a family, and so that means that this, this is not a client-patient interaction. Uh, we are a group of people who are trying to love and follow Jesus together, and so if you're struggling with clinical depression or wondering if you are clinically depressed, I would just say, hey, first and foremost, how about this? Why don't you go see a good doctor? See a good counselor. And by good doctor and good counselor, by the way, I mean someone who's, who's, who's going to help you rule out different factors. You know, maybe they're going to help you figure out, is this something physical? Maybe there's diet changes that need to be uh, implemented. Maybe you need to start pursuing a workout routine. That is very real. Uh, maybe there's a hormonal change. Maybe you have a thyroid issue. I'm just saying it could be a whole lot of different things. And I believe this with all my heart that God in his grace has provided psychological, physiological, and medical advancement to help in these areas. Okay, so I encourage you to take advantage of that. So that's a good step. But I would also say this, I would say that it, it's also maybe a little deeper than that too. And so we also have to look to, to, I believe, Jesus. We have to look to the author and founder of our faith, for those of us who follow Christ, to get some good insight into how to deal with depression. And so I want to take, I want you to look with me at just one final passage here together. And the passage I want to take you to is Jesus's response in the midst of deep depression. All right. So there's actually a passage in Matthew chapter 26. And if you got a Bible, I would actually encourage you to flip open to this passage. This is the a passage where the Bible uh, tells us that Jesus Christ dealt with depression. We see it right here in this passage. And in this passage, what we're going to see is not just that Jesus dealt with depression, but we're also going to see how he navigated through depression. And I think it's very, very helpful. So let's take a look. This is uh, Jesus the night before his crucifixion. And, uh, and so there's a lot going on there. And here's what the Bible says. Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and I pray. Now look at verse 37. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. So by the way, that's Peter, James, and John, three of Jesus's closest disciples, along with him. And he begged and he began to be sorrowful and troubled, sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And so really interesting, if you dig into these words, some of you have different translations, where it says that he was sorrowful 
And the word sorrowful means to be, uh, means to have sorrow that's too heavy to carry. And then he says troubled. And the word troubled, some of you have translations say deeply depressed. That's actually a pretty good translation. The Bible says he's full of sorrow, overburdened. He is deeply depressed, overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. I think, again, if you think about the definition that we looked at of depression, this sounds very, very similar to that. And so here you see Jesus in this spot. And so what does Jesus do when he experiences depression? What does he do? Well, it's actually interesting. The Bible actually tells us, and I'm so thankful that it does. Because notice, first off, the Bible's going to tell us this, that Jesus, first and foremost, invites others into his emotions. So I find this very insightful. Notice that when Jesus experienced depression, the first thing he does is he actually invites others into that depression, into his emotions. Notice here, it says in verse 37, he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. These are the closest guys to him, all right? And the Bible says that he, he began to be sorrowful and troubled, and he said to them, he told them, this is how I feel right now. This is how I feel. And then he said, would you stay here with me, and would you keep watch? And so Jesus, in his darkest moment, goes to the safest group of people within his community, and he just comes unglued. And he says, this is where I'm at, you guys. This is where I'm at. And will you enter into this with me? He invites them in. He invites them in. You guys, I think this is so insightful and it's so helpful. You know, oftentimes when we feel depressed, what we desire the most is to be alone and is to stay isolated. We tend to want to stiff arm everybody and hide the way we feel from each other. But Jesus and I want you to know that the, the, the desire to isolate in our depression is often one of the worst things we can do. But Jesus here shows us, paradoxically, what he does is he actually lets his disciples in on his emotions. Jesus, knowing that his disciples are imperfect and knowing that they're going to fail him, he still invites them in. He invites them in. And he invites them into what he's experiencing. You know, I think taking cues from Jesus, man, one of the most important things we can do is talk to a trusted friend. If you're feeling this way, go to someone you know who loves Jesus, maybe the person who even shared this link with you, and uh, go to someone, maybe get in a life group, get connected to your life group leader, and, and talk about it. Go, go and, and, and share that with somebody. I think for some of us, we feel embarrassed to do this. Maybe we feel weak. Some of us are introverted, and the whole idea of sharing how we feel just sounds like it just sounds like it'd be so, so, so challenging. But I have found something to be true, and, um, and maybe you found this to be true. I have found that in my own life and in the lives of so many other people, that oftentimes we spend more energy hiding than we do healing. I've just found that to be true. You know, a lot of times the energy and time that we spend stuffing and suppressing and hiding and managing our emotions apart from other people, if we would spend even half of that into pursuing healing, we would be in a very different place. So listen, maybe, maybe you need to let someone in. Now, for some of you right now, you're watching this and maybe even when I say it, it terrifies you, but you know that that's where you're at. Would you do that? Would you talk to someone about that, please? And, uh, God wants you. God wants you to experience his healing power in that. Maybe for you, you need to come to someone real close, someone who, who you know loves you, and maybe, maybe you need to confess some sin. Maybe you need to get that off your chest. I'm not saying that depression is caused by sin all the time, but listen, sometimes it is. Sometimes it is. And maybe there's habits in your life 
you've been keeping in the dark, that man, if you would just confess those and you would be able to pray with someone about those things, that you would be able to experience God's freedom in that. I think he wants that for you. I think he wants that for you. And sometimes that happens. Let me ask you a question real quick. Have you, have you let anybody fully in to your feelings? Have you ever done that? Now, that's a hard question. Let me ask you another question. Have you ever given anyone permission in your life to challenge your feelings? Have you ever done that? I think if the answer to those questions is no, that, uh, that maybe there's some steps that you can take towards the healing that God desires. So Jesus, we see this, Jesus invites others in. But notice that's not all he does. The next thing he does is this. He gives God his emotions. So he comes to God and he, gives, he invites others into his emotions, then he gives God his emotions. So Jesus goes to his disciples, he uh, invites them to pray with and for him, and then he goes and he prays by himself. And he takes his emotions to God. In fact, I want to show you something I think is really interesting here, and I don't think it's coincidental. Some of you might notice when Jesus says, uh, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, some of you might have a footnote attached to that. And there's a cross-reference to Psalm 42. All right, now, if that's the case, if your Bible does have that, the reason is because some people believe that the language is so similar that maybe Jesus here is even referring back to Psalm 42. Uh, here's why I think that's so powerful. Uh, the book of Psalms, if you've never read it or you don't really know what it is, it's actually a really powerful book. The book of Psalms is uh, its kind of like a book of songs and poetry, but it actually served as prayer guides for God's people. And so when, when they would pray through them, when they would read them, they, they would, they would kind of pray through those uh, Psalms as well. Now, if you read through Psalms, man, you, you'll see they are incredibly emotional. And sometimes they say things that are like really raw and uncut. And they say things sometimes, quite honestly, if you read them, that make you think, wow, that's like in the Bible. And, and so, for example, sometimes the Psalms will say stuff like this. Sometimes the Psalms will say, God, you're awesome. God, you're the best. God, I praise you. God, thank you for everything. Those are some of the Psalms. Some of the Psalms uh, are more like this. God, where are you? Where are you, God? Why am I here in this situation? Why have you left me? Why have you abandoned me? So those are some of them. Some Psalms say this, God, kill me. Just take my life. It's over. And then other Psalms say, God, kill my enemies. And you read this stuff and you're like, wow, what's going on here? And I think what you see here is that this is telling us something. Think about this for a minute. Well over two thirds of the Psalms are laments. They're lamentations. They're, they're, they're lamenting something. Now, if the Psalms were intended to be a book of prayer, what does that say about prayer? And what does that say about our emotions? You know, could it be that maybe God isn't as scared as honesty as we are? You know, maybe, maybe, maybe prayer is the safest place to bring our feelings before God. And maybe, just maybe, God's word is designed for these kinds of seasons. Maybe that's why he's given us what he's given us in the word. You know, I don't know why this is the case, but ever since Genesis chapter three, we have been hiding. We've been trying to hide from each other and we've been trying to hide from God, trying to hide how we feel, trying to hide how we think, like God doesn't already know how we feel. I think that sometimes hiding from God is like playing hide and seek with a three-year-old. Have you ever done that before? You're like, you play the game and you're like, why is that, you know, why is that couch giggling? And uh, it's like, you can't hide. And, and 
And in the same way, I think, man, we can't hide from God. And so why would we try to pretend with him? And so Jesus does this. Jesus comes and he, he prays his feelings to God. He lets him know what's going on. I think the Psalms really teach us a strategy for sanity. For some of us, we said this before, you got to take the filter off your prayer life and name it. Tell God what you're feeling. Identify it. Be specific because, listen, you can't manage a fake feeling. And so come to God with honesty. So Jesus does this, but that's not all he does. So Jesus gives God his emotions. Then he gives God his desires. Now, this to me is just, I think is just absolutely earth shattering. Look what the Bible says. He says, he fell on his face and he prayed to God. He said, my father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not what I want, but what you want. Not what I will, what I want. And Jesus doesn't just give God his emotions. He actually gives God his desires. He says, God, I don't, I don't, want, I don't want to do this. If there's another way, then please let that happen. Now, let me ask you a question. What would it look like if you prayed your desires, um, even the desires that you knew maybe weren't God's desires? What would that look like to bring that kind of honesty into your interaction with God? I'd imagine if you went to God, God, I, I just, I want things to go back. I, I just want things to go back to the way they were. That's what I want. Maybe even if it's things you know God doesn't want, God, I just want to go back to my addiction so badly right now. That's what I want. God, I want to get out of this situation. God, I want out of the marriage that I'm in right now. God, I want to strangle my teenager, <laughs> right? What if, what if you were able to come to God, even with those desires that maybe aren't even in alignment with what you know his will is, and, and to come to God with those things? I think Jesus is modeling here something, really something revolutionary, that we can give God our desires, that we can, we can be honest with him. He already knows anyway. And so he says, go ahead, put them on me. But then notice, here's the last thing. I think this is so powerful. Then the Bible says that Jesus gives God his trust. He gives God his trust. So he gives God his emotions. He gives God uh, all of his desires. And then he says, God, here's my trust. And he says to him, God, not my will, but your will. May your will be done. Jesus says, Father, this is how I feel. This is what I want. But your will be done and not mine. I trust you. I trust you. I think here's the hope that Jesus pioneers for us who follow him in times of depression. That hope is found ultimately in trusting God through it. You know, Jesus here, you see, Jesus, Jesus is trusting God trumped his emotions. It trumped his desires. He gave those things to God, but ultimately in the end, he gives God his trust. And I think if you think about it in this picture, you see that Jesus was facing the full weight of depression. He was experiencing depression because of physical issues. He was stressed. He was exhausted. He was going to face the cross. He faced depression because of spiritual issues. Uh, the Bible is very clear that Satan was very involved in all of what was going to go down in the crucifixion. The Bible is going to tell us that Jesus was going to take the full weight of sin on himself on the cross. So there was spiritual depression. There was circumstantial depression. Jesus was betrayed by his friends. He was abandoned by his friends. He would be mocked and he would be insulted by others. He experienced the full weight of depression. And yet here we see that he, tr he entrusted himself to God. 
and he looked to God. And look at, look at through the cross, look at what God was able to produce through that season because he gave his trust to him. I'll tell you what's interesting about this too is this is not a one-time prayer. This is not a one-time prayer. Uh, in Matthew 26, you're going to see that Jesus does this, this whole cycle three times. He goes to his disciples. He invites them into his emotions. He goes to God. He gives God his feelings. He gives God his desires. He gives God his trust. He does that three times. What's that telling us? Here's what I think it tells us. This is a continual process. It just is. It's a continual process of coming to God and coming to others to find healing in those things. So how did Jesus find strength to fight through depression? to persevere to the cross. Well, I think that a large part is what we see right here in Gethsemane. And we can invite others in. We can give God our depression. We can give God our desires and then give God, give God our trust. You know, in closing reading this, I was reminded of uh, Tyson Fury. I don't know if any of you are familiar with Tyson Fury. I'm not super familiar with him, but I do know he's a British professional boxer and two-time heavyweight champion of the world. It's kind of a big deal. And it's interesting because part of his story is that he was steeped pretty heavily in depression and alcoholism and drug addiction. And I was listening to an interview with him and Joe, uh, Joe Rogan about his depression and about how he was spiraling out of control back in 2015. And he talked about how he was suicidal and how depression had overcome him in such a heavy way. And he since then had experienced a lot of progress and a lot of growth. And so Joe Rogan was asking him about that. And here's what he said about that period. He said, I didn't care about nothing. I just wanted to die so bad. I'd wake up and I'd think, why did I wake up this morning? And this is coming from a man who won everything, money, fame, glory, titles, a wife, family, kids, everything. He says, I was out, uh, he recounts a, a time. He says, I was out Halloween in 2017 dressed as a skeleton, but I was 29 and everyone was younger. And I thought, is this what I want for my life? I left early. I went home into a dark room. I took the skeleton suit off and I prayed to God to help me. I had never begged God to help me. I could feel the tears running down my face. I almost accepted that being an alcoholic was my fate, but after praying for 10 minutes, I got up and I felt the weight was lifted off my shoulders for the first time in my life. I thought I was going to be okay. I knew that I couldn't do it on my own. You know, that reminds me so much of what Jesus said. You know, Jesus himself in Matthew 11 said, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and, upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You know, uh, to get the rest from the oppressive burden of depression, depression, Jesus tells us to take our burdens to him. And Jesus in this passage talks about a yoke. You know, a yoke was a device that was used in farming where two oxen would be yoked, yoked together to pull a plow, to pull a burden together. And as it relates to depression, I think Jesus is inviting you to share the weight of your depression with him and with his people. It's too much for you. It's too heavy for you to carry alone. And God knows that. And so he invites you to take it to his people and to take it to him in these ways. Why don't we pray together as we close out our time? Well, Father, I just want to say thank you so much for your word to us that gives us insight. Lord, it helps us understand ourselves and understand you and understand the complexity of how you've created us. And so, God, I just want to pray for the person who's watching this, who's maybe in, uh, in a spot of deep depression or knows someone who is. Would you give them the strength? Would you give them the courage, God, to bring others into their emotion? 
to pray to you, to give you their emotion, to give them your desires, and to give them your trust. And so this we ask in the name of Christ. Amen.